Okay, uh, today's podcast is the third of a three-part series. Uh, the first one discussed forerunners. Um, we discussed the root of Jesse being dual descendants of uh, the, some of the tribes of Israel, specifically Judah and Ephraim. We discussed the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Ephraim's primary responsibility as temple builders to restore the covenants as an ensign to the nations uh, so that all the Gentiles could you know, gather unto it. In the second part, we talked about the destiny and uh, the foreordination of the tribe of Judah and the Jews that after much suffering, they too would be gathered uh, to a land of their inheritance. Specifically, you know, we talked about the importance of Jerusalem as the capital city and the place where Jesus will come back uh, for his second coming to rule and reign. Well, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about a modern Moses. Uh, Jewish rabbis have long foretold of a millennial man known as Messiah ben Joseph, who will come to the Holy Land from among the tribe of Ephraim in order to prepare the way of the Lord. And the word they use for Messiah ben Joseph is tab. You spell it T-A-E-B. And it literally means he who restores or he who causes to return. The rabbis believe, as did Amos, that hearing of the word of the Lord, as well as the word itself, would be lost and in need of restoration, as it says in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Well, if you compile all of the Jewish doctrine on this subject... Uh, you find that they reference Messiah ben Joseph as a key figure to restore faith to the world. This increase of faith in the last days will be a great tool in preparing the world for the coming of one greater, Messiah ben David. Uh, Messiah ben Joseph will restore belief in the supernatural and in angels and in miracles uh, in order to prepare the way for the messianic age of Messiah ben David. Um, what else do we have? Some Samaritan tradition states that Messiah ben Joseph will restore the true law to its former validity among the Jews. Um, Solomon Shelmiel said that the sole mission on earth of Messiah ben Joseph will be to fill the whole earth with the Messianic kingdom. So clearly the Jews are expecting a restitution of all things, as it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 20 through 26, by which the key forerunner will be Messiah ben Joseph. Uh, earlier when we discussed forerunners, we talked about John the Baptist, how his was a voice in the wilderness um, for the first coming of Jesus. And then we talked about how in the latter days, uh, you know, the four to five million members of the Church of Jesus Christ are acting as forerunners for an ensign to the nation. Well, from this collective group, it also seems that the doctrine points to an individual, uh, according to the Jews, you know, this Messiah ben Joseph, who will be an individual forerunner for the second advent of the Savior as well. Well, LDS doctrine... Uh, provides further detail of this Messiah ben Joseph. When Angel Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith in 1823, he quoted the entirety of Isaiah chapter 11. Um, 
the Lord's servant is thus described. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch uh, shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after, after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Specifically, that's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Well, Joseph Smith reveals the lineage of this servant. What is the rod spoken of in the first verse of the 11th chapter of Isaiah that should come of the stem of Jesse? Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a servant in the hands of Christ, who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as of Ephraim, or of the house of Joseph on whom there is laid much power. That's DNC 113 verses 3 and 4. Now look, this stuff can get confusing. Because in that same 113th section, it describes the root of Jesse. Well, there is a distinction between the root of Jesse being a collective group of people and the rod of Jesse being an individual. And once again, who is Jesse? Well, Jesse was the father of King David from Israel's tribe of Judah, the same tribe that Jesus was born into. So therefore, Messiah ben Joseph or the rod of Jesse, is a dual descendant of Judah and Ephraim. Uh, Joseph Smith's Latter-day Revelation concurs with the teaching of Jewish rabbis. Some more scriptures concerning the rod of Jesse. It is written in 2 Nephi chapter 3, verse 17, And I, the Lord, has said, I will raise up a Moses, and I will give, him, and I will give power unto him in a rod. And I will give judgments unto him in writing. Yet I will not loose his tongue, that he shall speak much. For I will not make him mighty in speaking. But I will write unto him my law, by the finger of mine own hand. And I will make a spokesman for him. And the words which he shall write, shall be the words which are expedient in my wisdom, should go forth unto the fruit of of thy loins. So... Wow. So a modern Moses, um, the rod of Jesse, the Messiah ben Joseph, all appear to be the same person. The Lord will work mighty miracles through this modern Moses. DNC 103 verses 15 through 18 says, Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore I will raise up unto my people a man, who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel, and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must, be, ye must needs be led out of bondage by power, and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be." The original King David himself prophesied in Psalms 110 verses 2 through 5, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. 
Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Um, a few, so traditional Christians do not believe that Jesus was a candidate to be Messiah ben Joseph. They believe rather that Jesus is the Messiah ben David. Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah and a direct descendant of, J- of David, whereas the Messiah ben, jo- ben Joseph is a dual descendant of Joseph from the tribe of Ephraim as well as from the tribe of Judah from the north country. Furthermore, scholars assert that the passages associated with Messiah ben Joseph have no power of redemption, whereas Jesus, the Messiah ben David, does have powers of redemption. Well, before Jesus comes, Israel will be controlled for a time by the rod of Jesse. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 37 and 38 states, And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you unto the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So why refer to Messiah ben Joseph as the rod of Jesse? Well, let's turn to Moses. This, this forerunner, this contemporary forerunner is a modern Moses. Well, let's talk about the actual Moses. Moses controlled God's plagues against Egypt uh, with a rod in his hand. Exodus chapter 9 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all of the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. In Exodus chapter 14, uh, it describes as the children of Israel escaped bondage in Egypt, Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. The Lord then commanded Moses, But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In Joseph Smith's translation of Genesis chapter 50, verse 34, the Lord promised Joseph of Egypt that he would preserve his seed forever by raising up a modern Moses. And the Lord swore unto Joseph that he would preserve his seed forever, saying, I will raise up Moses, and a rod shall be in his hand, and he shall gather together my people, and he shall lead them as a flock, 
and he shall smite the waters of the Red Sea with his rod. I'm sorry, that was not the modern Moses. That was the actual Moses uh, that the Lord was talking about with Joseph of Egypt. Um, To get to the modern Moses, we move to Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14 and 15, where the rod of Jesse, or in other words, this modern Moses, will miraculously lead Israel from the lands of the north on a scale that far surpasses the original miracle of Moses. The scripture states, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, and from all the lands whither he hath driven them. And I will bring them again to their land that I gave unto their fathers. Um, To conclude this discussion of the modern Moses, one who has power in a rod, one who is mighty in writing and a key forerunner to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, the question should be asked, is this modern Moses one of the two prophets who is called to protect uh, Jerusalem from the Antichrist? Well, let's talk about some of that doctrine. Two prophets will serve to protect the righteous remnant of Judah in the Holy Land during the abomination of desolation. DNC 77 verse 15 says, These human agents with divine power, or dunamis, like we discussed in a previous podcast, will act for God as protectors. The prophet Isaiah was aware of these two prophets who would assist Israel in the last days. According to Isaiah, of all of Israel's sons, uh, there is none to guide her. In the precarious situation of woe, she will face in the last days. Indeed, Judah's sons have fainted. They lie at the head of the streets, helpless as a wild bull in a net. Therefore, help must come from outside. These two sons, notes Isaiah, are come unto thee. Their designation as sons suggests they have some connection to Israel. According to scripture, they are two prophets who are raised up to the Jewish nation, DNC 77 verse 15. They have at least a spiritual kinship with Judah, and they will provide the means for the temporal salvation for the Jews. These two prophets have tremendous power over sky, water, and fire. Until their ministry is completed, they will be absolutely unstoppable and indestructible, according to uh, Richard Draper in his book on the, the, the book of Revelation. It would appear that their ministry marks the moment when God openly moves onto the stage of history, exposing for more and more to see his saving power towards those who are his and his destroying power towards those who are willfully not. The Lord revealed the full scope of these two prophets' power and the world's reaction in Revelation chapters 8 and 9. Though the text does not specify who unleashes the trumpet plagues described in those chapters, it appears to be these two prophets. Consider the following conceptual and lexical parallels. First, the action in both sections is described as plagues, and this is using Revelation chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 11. Second, both are directed against the inhabitants of the earth. 
Third, both are carried out under God's authority. Fourth, famine results. Fifth, people are hurt. Sixth, people are killed. Seventh, the executioners use fire. Eighth, water is turned to blood. And nine, the agents torment the unbelievers. In all, the parallels suggest that the Latter-day plagues, so vividly described in chapter 8, are initiated and directed by the two witnesses, and the woes in chapter 9 are the world's reaction thereto. The text of Revelation gives these prophets a twofold ministry. First, they are to hold off the enemy at least for a time, thus helping to preserve the Jews temporally. Due to their powers over the course of months, the enemy will pay dearly for each section of the city it is able to capture and hold. Second, and more importantly, they are to bear witness to the Jewish people of the reality of Jesus the Messiah. Until they have done this, they are invulnerable. God does work through human agents. Uh, Noah, God's prophet on the earth, acted as, as his agent and initiated the flood against the hardened and willfully wicked generation. Moses, while acting as God's agent, came with power and warning. Pharaoh's rejection of Moses' testimony brought plague after plague. In every instance, Moses responded to the will of God and acted as his agent. In Revelation, the angels of God are the explicit um, executors of the judgments, but they are responding to the prayers of the saints, as is explained in Revelation chapter 8, verse 4, of whom it would seem at this point these witnesses are the chief. Thus, the angels respond to the directions and authority of the two prophets, and in this way the pattern of a chain of agents continues. Their task is to give the willfully wicked a chance to repent, to turn back, to cease from their designs of destroying the earth and God's people. That witness will include signs such that only the most deliberately self-blinded can reject. Refusing this last chance to reform, even resorting to murder, they make their destruction sure. The two witnesses combine the powers of Moses and Elijah. The former held authority over water and brought plagues against Egypt, while the latter caused a three and a half year drought upon Israel and brought divine fire upon his enemies. Concerning these two witnesses who will minister in Jerusalem, the Lord states, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. One thousand two hundred and threescore days totals three and a half years, the precise time spent by Jesus in his ministry to the ancient Jews. When asked specifically who these witnesses will be, Bruce R. McConkie responded, We do not know except they will be followers of Joseph Smith. They will hold the holy Melchizedek priesthood. They will be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, That was in the Millennial Messiah, page 390. McConkie continues, How will their witness be received by the people? This we do know. It will be with these two witnesses as it was with their Lord some two millenniums before. The righteous will believe their words, and the wicked will thirst for their blood. It will be with them as it was with Elijah, who both called down fire from heaven to consume his enemies 
and sealed the heavens that there was neither dew nor rain for three and a half years. And it will be with them as it was with Moses, who turned the rivers and waters of Egypt into blood, and who smote the Egyptians with many plagues. When these prophets are killed, there will not be so much as a pilot to authorize and allow Joseph of Arimathea to take their bodies and place them in a borrowed grave. DNC 77 verse 15 says, They are two prophets that are to be raised up to the Jewish nation in the last days at the time of the restoration and to prophesy to the Jews after they are gathered and have built the city of Jerusalem in the land of their fathers. John explains further in Revelation chapter 11. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man hurt them, he must be in this manner killed. This is the Lord's law of reciprocity. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered back into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies behind them. And in the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Prophetic details concerning these two witnesses extend beyond the writings of John, Joseph Smith, and Bruce R. McConkie. Isaiah also prophesied in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 17 through 20. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she has brought forth. Neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she has brought up. These two things are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? Desolation and destruction and the famine and the sword. By whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord and rebuke of thy God. Zechariah had a revealing conversation with the Lord. In chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, it says, uh, He asks the Lord, what be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? 
And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So again, the question, is one of these two prophets the same as the rod of Jesse, the same as the Messiah ben Joseph? Uh, There's a high likelihood that it is. Global leaders who suppress freedom and deny the principles of the gospel are labeled by God as antichrists. John taught, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. That was from 1 John chapter 2 and chapter 4. Well, in the Jewish encyclopedia, it states that an Antichrist, known as Armalus, will come to wreak havoc on the Jews of Jerusalem just prior to the Messiah coming. In consequence of these persecutions, a scion of the tribe of Ephraim will arise and wrest Jerusalem from the hands of the Edomites for a time. Therefore, the king, Armulus, will conquer and sack the holy city. Then begin a general campaign against the Jews, forcing them to flee into the desert where they will suffer untold misery. When they have been purified by sorrow and pain, the Messiah ben David will appear, wrest Jerusalem from Armulus, slay him, and thereby bring the true salvation. Descriptions of Armulus are found in um, Nicero Simon's book, Yohai. The statement found there is that Armulus will lead an army against Israel. This unequal combat ends in the death of the Ephraimite Messiah and a million Jews. After an interval of 45 days, during which the Jews unworthy of the Messianic glory die out, and the remnant have shown their true worth in sore trials and bitter sufferings in the desert, whither they have fled, Michael, the archangel, will blow his trumpet. Then the Messiah ben David will appear gather the dispersed of Israel, and proceed to Jerusalem. Armulus, inflamed against the Jews, will march against the Messiah. But now God himself will war against Armulus and his army and destroy them.